4: And when you really want that beautiful new blouse too- just momo it, and when you won't get
5: that, gym, when you will get fresh to impress, you, you know who. Just momo it, and when you need to pay that your utility bill, and domestic staff set. just momo it, and when you won't send love to the family for back home, just momo it. So many ways go, when you go use your MTN Momo wallet, make payments with scan to pay, when you go use the QR code, or you go feel use the merchant ID or on bank DOS terminals. you go feel also
4: transfer money between mobile money wallet and bank account. All on MTN Mobile. Enjoy real convenience in all your financial transactions and live life the vital way with MTN Mobile. We are good together. Just mobile it. We there for you everywhere you go.
5: Springboard, of virtual university. This is your most inspirational show and the point of convergence for the greatest minds. My name is Albert Okran, doing this with the support of the virtual academic board chaired by Comfort, with support from Matthew and the entire crew. On this beautiful day, I matriculate you into a week in which I trust that you will excel spiritually, professionally, financially, emotionally, socially, and in every single area of your life. And if you will give it your very best, just simply say, amen. All right, so Springboard is brought to you by the Springboard Roadshow Foundation and powered by your superstation, Joy 99.7 FM. The broadcast is led and partnered by some of the finest brands in this country committed to the development of our human capital. Let me thank MTN, MTN, Pulse, Just Be, the Enterprise Group, Enterprise, Your Advantage, UNB Bank, UNB Speed Up, Digibank, Let's Go, and of course our print media partner, the graphic business. So our theme for 2021 is simply repositioning, and we've had some conversations around the whole concept of repositioning. Today we want to zero down on the professional side of our lives, and why things are not the same as they used to be, and possibly will never be the same again. So in this two-part series, we want to explore the changing world of work. In part one, we'll look at how much the world of work has changed and in part two, we'll look at the skills that you would require to survive and thrive and excel in this new field or world of work. My guest for tonight to help with this discussion, Maximus Ametogo, CEO of PopOut, regular Resource person and faculty at the virtual investing. Maximus, good to see you. Good to see you, Terry. I hear our world is gone. Somebody says it's gone. Yes, it's gone. Far gone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be joined along the line um, by Ernest Buedu, who's a senior banking executive in the UK. Ernest, if you can hear me, welcome to Springboard, the virtual investing.
1: Thank you, Robert. I'm um, excited
4: to, to do it on the show tonight.
5: I, I, I am told that our world has disappeared. And it's gone forever. Will, will, that, will that be the case? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. We've seen a, a massive revolution. So yes, um, our world is no longer how it used to be previously. And we all need to sort of it um, up and, and move with the floor.
5: I'm going to come to you very shortly, Ernest, for some perspectives um, on the global stage and what is happening in Europe and so on. But let me start with you, Maximus. Yes. So the foundation of this conversation, let me start with a report by McKinsey global institute in 2017 because very often when we talk about the world of work, many people think it is COVID-related. So let me deliberately move back to 2017 and the McKinsey Global Institute report that said 14% of the global labor force, approximately 375 million people, need to transition to new occupational areas or categories or learn new skills altogether to stay employed and that is largely being driven by automation. They go on to give areas where the opportunities will open but let's start this conversation by talking about what changed, what moved,
6: what triggered. I think with, uh, as, as a human institution we evolve all, all the time and then we always follow the, the path that leads to what we call a presumed future that wants things to be better, more efficient, you know, more cost-effective. And then speed is driving the innovation, you know, uh, leading to this particular uh, uh, presumed future. Now for work, work is an activity you engage in or a role you play, either assigned by yourself or somebody for for. For an end result, it can be f- for the fulfillment of it, for the funds of it, or the fund of it, to, for you to survive. And as a labor force, if you are required to produce a certain result, you must also have the requisite skill set or you'll be able to use a tool that will be assigned to achieve that or be able to produce the output to that you have been assigned. Now with innovation and with all the creativity, with all the the companies trying to do things in a more efficient, new ways, you, the labor force or the tool that is being used or a resource being used, you must have that uh, cutting edge skill set that your employer will require of you to produce the output that they want from you. And of course, for a remuneration that is uh, or quality, uh consistent or that you require of them, So in this current state, when everything is being formatted with technology, things being digitized, things being automated, because something that you do repeatedly, right, you are supposed to gain some experience. So that becomes easier. Now machines are replacing uh, replacing that process. And then you are supposed to either man the machine or be part of the processes of managing the algorithm that is driving the, the, the machine. So it, it is becoming very difficult. In fact, it, it has become like an organism that you cannot find the shape or form of it. But you are, you are seeing that the world is evolving towards a future that humans may even be taken out of it. The traditional skill set will not be needed again. That you need some uh, soft skills that shall, will, will transcend the current uh, time that you, you are living in. So if you learn agriculture, knowing how to plant uh, seeds using catalysis, now there's a machine that can plow the land, measure, keep the distances between the crops, because maybe there's a scientific research that shows that crops must have a certain distance so that it will aid in uh, fertilization. And then when you are spraying the pesticides and when you are managing the soil uh, quality and all that. So the whole world of work is changing from the hard skills to the soft skills, and technology is driving that. And we are yet to understand the whole scope of, of the requirement in that world. The funny thing, and, and, and I
5: like the, the note on which you ended, we are yet to understand the whole scope, because sometimes when, just when we think that we've gotten a full hang of it, then it escalates to another level. Mm. Let me just add that, this was before COVID came to further accentuate or exacerbate yeah. what was an obvious trend across the globe. Mm. Let me go to Ernest Buedu, um a senior banking executive in, in London, who has been involved with several projects that involve high-end automation mm. and therefore the use of technology in ways that we've not known before. Ernest, how significantly has the world of work changed and what should what should viewers and listeners be concerned about as the drivers of this change?
1: Absolutely, so we, we, we've we had uh, a, a sort of a massive acceleration hmm. of the revolution that we've seen anyway. And um, if we if you look at the pre-COVID time, we've now had sort of what we call a double disruption because there was now lots of firms up taking new technology and automating a lot of the mundane tasks that they had. But what we also have is is a changing demographic. Um, if you look at the demographics across Europe, and Africa, um, the way we send, the way the way the diaspora send money back home has changed. Um, you can now, we've got mobile money. You've got a whole lot of new demographic that just want to be able to access services, access products. We, in just in time. so previously just in time was probably two weeks. Now I'm just in time is a matter of seconds or minutes. Mm-hmm. so we, we we are seeing some of these core facets of our society begin to drive um, some of the new change that we, we have now. And we are also seen a lot of emerging markets um, in 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 Europe and also in in Africa now. What, what you what you would have as your as your sort of your standard bank is is no longer anymore. Now we've seen a drive of digital banks across Europe. Mm. And and I'm sure we'll begin to see most of these in, in Ghana very soon. So these have been some of the trigger points that is driving um, sort of the uptake in, 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 in technology and, and the disruption to, to the skills that we, we usually have within within our day-to-day jobs.
5: Um, and as you mentioned a double disruption. First occasioned by technology uptick, and then further exacerbated by, by COVID. And you said this is demand-driven. Largely, younger demographics who want things done very, very quickly. Mm. And as long as the demand is there, the supply should be there. Um, let's talk about what kind of skills gaps are emerging. Because, again, juxtapose the report by McKinsey against that by... The World Economic Forum, which we've been tracking for quite a while now, and it says that 94% of business leaders expect their employees to pick up new skills on the job. And that's a very high uptick on the number from recent years. 94% of business leaders in every field entertainment, banking, insurance, finance they expect their staff. To take on board new skills, and over forty percent of them, or in forty percent of the instances, they are saying those skills must be require, acquired within the next six months, or there will be trouble. And I speak to that.
1: Absolutely. So we, we can have a case where you have you have a you have a programmer that is you know a couple of years ago she used to programming in a certain language. Now that programmer needs to be needs to be able to program or speak to a number of languages. You've got you've got Python, you've got Java, you've got Ruby. So if you train in as a Java programmer, and you know there, there needs to be a driving adoption of of certain languages, you are actually um, underqualified for that role. And so we are beginning to see lots of people who are in roles that are probably underqualified and, and firms now need to begin to upskill um, their staff. And also as we, we begin to see the uptake of, of new technology, firms also need their employees to have what we call sort of the, the social intelligence aspect of things. Because now if, if, if services have changed and everything is demand driven by your new demographic, you need to have that sort of social intelligence begin to adapt rapidly um, to a changing environment. So the resiliency in this time is extremely important. So these are some of the the, the occasions where we are seeing a skills gap between what was known to be a very good role previously to what
5: we see now um, within the world of work. Let's take a minute to break down the issue of social Intelligence. intelligence for the benefit of the person listening and hearing this term for the very first time you, you touch on resilience but give us a, a better overview of social intelligence and from the more practical point of view what does it mean and how does it reflect in the lives of ordinary people simply being be, be, be aware
1: of of your environment and be aware of of the emotions of people around you and we've seen in the last few few years greater emphasis on mental mental health and so so some of these are some of the things that come in um so if you are speaking to a customer um who is probably in, in Europe and you are delivering a service in, in Ghana, you need to be able to understand their cultural perspective and begin to um, give them the service that they require. So these are some of the sort of um, examples when we speak of um a sort of social intelligence. And it's, it's becoming extremely pivotal to the way we deliver services to customers. <laughs> Especially if I go back again to my demographic where you've got a lot of young people who may not have that patience, who may not have um, that sort of uh, resilience. So it's important that we um, as sort of product developers or as uh, as service givers really understand um, this sort of demographic and to be able to socially be in tune with with them as
5: as we deliver services to them. Moss, N, mm. N- S talks about programmers, talks about um, product designers, and so on. Yeah. But listening to him, what he's describing is relevant in the passport office, <laughs> it's relevant in the church, it's relevant in parliament, yeah. it's relevant wherever you go. He talks yes. about social intelligence. I get yes. the impression that listen, if the demographic he's describing is young people, technologically savvy, they know what they need, they know, they know where they can find it instantly, and they are also on social media. he talks about social intelligence and he talks about mental health ability to appreciate cultural perspectives and Mm. so on it just also means that even the communication any word spoken out of 10 can trigger a response on social media that could put your company in a very difficult position hence the need for new skills can you speak to that the social intelligence bit
6: yes i think the the human uh, nature needs to be how do you call it, re-engineered for the new world of work. The orientation you mean. Exactly, so the orientation, because you are going to interact with people. Now, if machines are going to replace the human uh, labor, it means that the machines must learn how to behave like humans. So with the social uh, understanding, you can help program that behavior into software, into algorithms so that when I go on social media, when I post something, the system is able to pick my social uh, behavior or understanding or context so they can expose more content to me. Now, companies that do not understand that social construct, they are going to find it difficult interacting with people, right? Because the emotional interaction, the social interactions and what they call a uh, For example, conversational marketing. Somebody wants to buy, but they are not just going to click a buy button. They need a conversation around what they want to buy. Now, if you have somebody at your call center who doesn't know how to interact with people online, because what we are doing is you are speaking through text, right? So if I'm conversing with you, I'm supposed to sound intelligent, smart, and then offer that customer service with some resemblance of emotion, even in my writing. Now, if companies don't build that skill set into their people, or the worker who doesn't develop that social skill set into their uh, competence, they may not be relevant in the future. Because that interaction or that engagement online, which is required in the new world of work, has to be built into them. So, if I understand you right, what you're saying is that
5: the person who has gone to this LIGOST, his sorry Legon K N U S T Um Winiba Central, Ashesi, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. They've gotten a job, they are doing it so far, so good. Yeah. Suddenly they find that increasingly there's some tension between what they know and how they've done the work and how the work is being required. Exactly. Suddenly they are told, okay, so this 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 whole month you work from home.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: Now suddenly you need to be able to independently deal with situations and work with systems and networks and respond to the needs of your clientele in real time. Yeah. You're saying that sometimes in that, that situation, it requires more than just the technology. It's yeah. also the social understanding to be able to anticipate their needs.
6: Exactly. And must be their there needs. must be a personality behind the communication. You are not just throwing text at you. How are you? I'm fine. I want to buy this product. But how you say it, how you approach the language, what we call speech texting. So, whatever I'm saying, there must be some emotion, there must be some These are all new skills that a person may not have acquired. Exactly. You will not learn it under, in your marketing class or you will not learn it in your finance class or accounting class because you are learning just the hard facts. But how you interface with the person, the customer requires a social skill. And that social skills must help you to be able to, you know, offer the service within the context that the person, the customer can relate to. And then that creates that emotional connection. If you don't have that skill set, for example, if you pick social media, you realize that people who are very active, who are very influential on social media, have that master skill set to be able to connect with people in the way they talk, how they share their ideas, how they converse with people, how they engage with with the people, and it's, it's a required skill. And when it comes to social media and how companies should even
5: interface with it, and how yes. their inability to understand it and work well with it yes. is creating a challenge, because it's assumed that because of COVID, everyone should engage with digital media. Yes. But without the right skills, I presume that it could be very counterproductive. Exactly. I mean, is in that regard. And yes. let's talk about tension. What are the tensions that arise as a result of the gap that we see? In skills required and skills offered, what are the tensions that arise as a result of this gap?
1: You know, over the years, um, through my my consulting work, you tend to see that when there is a misalignment of, of skills, you then have sort of what the issue of. Um, product development being slower to the market so you have delays in product development because you can't really adjust quite quickly to the demand of your customers and so you do have this delay in in in, in key products that you want to release to the market because your competitors who probably do have employees with the right skills that are able to adjust quickly to the demands of the market and so if you do have that skills misalignment within your firm you would, you would have key delays in your product development which which will then impact your operational costs and so you do have sort of these knock on effects where you would have delays in releasing products to the market which will which will which will cause a lot of operational costs but also you would you would tend to have a lot of staff turnover because you, you you'll be employing people who want to advance in their roles but do not have the the necessary support within the organization and therefore they would rather leave um to, to pursue other interests somewhere else. So these are some of the things that we are seeing. But more importantly, if we do have these skills misalignment, then there is also the growing gap between the high earners and the low earnings. So then you do have um low skilled workers still, you know, struggling and, and then you have another social problem here because then you're, you're those who are highly skilled will continue to aim more as we see in in Europe who continue to earn more. Anyone with with, with with those skills will earn more. And those lower skilled individuals, so then you have a gap of or you have issues with sort of poverty and, and all sorts of things. Mm.
5: <laughs> was listening, uh, listening to Ernest uh, talk about attentions, I just can relate to every single line of them. He talks about slow response to opportunity, he talks about pace of goods to market or products to market. And yeah. I mean I'm sure that everything that we say can be also interpreted from the perspective of those who are not into products but into services. Yeah. So your responses and your solutions will come out slower than the competition, and you will continually be edged out. As a result, some staff will leave. Your operational cost will go up. Mm. But the part that I'm sure many people are listening to is the widening gap between the higher NS and the lower (laughs) NS. Because those who know how to do these things and who can respond faster will keep rising in the business or in the organization. And Mm. those who do not have the skills to be able to appraise in a tech-driven, fast-changing, socially dynamic
6: world, yeah, we'll keep asking
5: who moved my cheese. Yeah. Exactly.
6: speak to that one. You know, so uh, one example is Nokia. Nokia was like a top brand, and everybody owned a Nokia, whether you were the low end or the high end. And then they had a range of, you know, uh, product specs. Now, when the CEO was asked why. The brand or the company collapsed or lost their lost their competition. He said they didn't do anything wrong, right? But I'm sure they stuck to a certain culture within the company that we have to serve everybody's interest in the, within the mobile market space. So they're producing handsets for everybody. When the apples were developing their own hardware and software to match it, Google also developed their Android system so that people can use it on any brand of phone, Nokia was still stuck in their ways, and all of a sudden, they, 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 were, they were kicked off the, the market. Now, you had also Yahoo Messenger, for example. The developers, they moved on. When they suggested something like a, the WhatsApp concept to the Yahoo management, they didn't believe that it, it was the right time, and then they moved on to create the WhatsApp. The WhatsApp became bigger. Then they sold it to Facebook. Facebook, when uh, Rupert Murdoch, who owned MySpace, was, was, was asked about Facebook, said so Facebook was a flash in the pan. Then you realize when Facebook started growing, they wanted to buy it, then they started using Facebook social plugins onto MySpace, and then MySpace died. Now Facebook is a giant. So you, as, as a company, you must always lead your own evolution and Facebook is good at doing that. They've created so many products and features based on what their customers are using, and it's because they have people within the company who know that if you don't change something, a competition will come and kill your business. And Mark understands that because he has been able to disrupt a lot of industries, and that's what is keeping that company. We'll, We'll take what you said to the next level because the bigger question...
5: That we need to answer. The report from Deloitte's 2017 Global Human Capital Trends mm. says that 40% of the 14, 500 companies will not exist in 2025. That's four years' time. Almost half of the biggest companies we are seeing today will not exist in four years' time. Mm. And then it bases that on the fact that 52% of the Fortune 500 companies from 20 years ago, the year 2000, are no longer with us. Exactly. What they are saying simply is that companies that you are seeing right now that you are thinking they are doing well will disappear. Exactly. And you seem to be suggesting that they could be doing the right thing or not doing anything wrong. Let me say yeah. it differently. Then, yeah. They could be there not doing anything wrong and still disappear. Exactly. When I come back, we'll talk about whether it <laughs> applies to <laughs> churches,
6: mm-hmm.
5: to educational institutions, right. to small businesses, exactly. and even to governments. <laughs> <laughs> this is Springboard Adventure University discussing the changing world of work. And we started by just looking at what are the triggers of this change. But as we've gone on, we've come to the very crux of the issue. The fact that without a certain different kind of thinking, the organization may simply disappear. Welcome back to Springboard, your virtual university, discussing today the changing world of work. And this broadcast is brought to you by your yes, Superstation Joy 99.7 FM and, of course, Springboard Roadshow Foundation. We also are on YouTube and on Facebook. I would like to encourage you to subscribe to my YouTube channel for some of the exciting videos that we've posted out there and just enjoy them. And give us feedback about how well you're enjoying the variety, the behind-the-scenes Ones, the inspirational ones, and then of course, springboard your virtual investing. Choose your own playlist and then watch what suits your preference. So, before we went for the break, we're exploring how companies can suddenly find themselves on the fringe. And Maximus used the examples of Nokia and MySpace against Facebook. Um, And, bring this down to the level of the ordinary person playing the business field or not-for-profits, or governmental organizations, or any oppression, how are the changes in the world of work putting pressure on both the organization and on the individual to respond?
1: Thank you. Um, so, even in, in the UK, we do have a couple of um, huge or your sort of well-branded retail shops now trialing this this new um, innovative process where if you go into the shop, you just um, you you pick a scanner yourself in in your basket. All you do is you just go around and you scan the items that you, you want you, you are looking to shop. That means at the end of your shop, you don't need to go to the, uh, the the customer service attendant, right? Because you you have scanned everything that you want to get, and and because you've already signed up with them. Your deed is out. You just you finish. You just walk out of the shop. You don't need to. You don't need to um, go and, and and queue up to pay, right? And this this you, you can see even in this COVID time where um, when you go into the shop you have to keep it. You have to be socially distant. Um, you you need to make sure you've got your mask on it is having a massive effect. So you can, you can see this being rolled out across many shops in the next few years, whereby the services of your customer agents may not be needed anymore. However, you still do, do need sort of personal shoppers. And, and when we go back to um, sort of social intelligence, you still will have people who will be your personal shoppers, who can support vulnerable people. And, and so then we are seeing um, if you are uh, uh, someone watching us um, who works in, in these sort of service industries, what are you doing to set yourself up? Do you understand how to relate to um, vulnerable people, vulnerable customers, I should put it? Do you know any sign language that you can you can you can employ in speaking to customers, right? And can you support um, you know someone in a wheelchair? So we are coming back to you know being able to adjust to this rapidly changing environment. We also seen a lot of ministries boom um, online, um, ministries without walls. And so if you're a local church and you, you, your means of you know gathering in support or taking money or finances is by your offerings with people coming 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 forward to just put money in the offering ball during this COVID period you are actually not going to have any money in your account unless you have been able to develop something where no matter where people are people can just scan a barcode and be able to give their ties, give their offering. And so if you do not um, rapidly adjust and adapt to some of these new technologies happening, and, and in the UK where many churches are not being able to meet and we are still meeting online in most cases, then that means there's no money coming in to support your operations. You still probably have to pay your rent, although you are not meeting. And so if you do not adjust or leverage, and, and the, the beauty of this is most of these technologies because... Um, you have a lot of fintechs coming up. It's easy and much more easier to adapt to this because there's competition within the fintech space. And so it will be very cost effective to have someone come in and build a process where if I'm a pastor uh, and and, and I've got a church, I can just scan a barcode and I can give, right? So these are some of the very simple
5: um, use cases that that, that I can share. And just quickly before you, I come back to Maximus. The shop you described, I was following the value chain, the service delivery value chain, until you got to um, the actual product delivery. Is it delivered to your car? Do you pick it up on your way out? You missed out on something. After scanning the goods. So so, so
1: there are two services. So if you're a vulnerable customer, then what will happen is um, you will have a personal shopper who, because you will already register with them, will have a personal shopper who who, asks you to scan will be taking out these items for you and, and, and have it sort of delivered to your car. Or if you, you are sort of able to do it, you just keep the item you scan. When you finish, you just walk out of the shop because mm-hmm. the, anything that you have scanned will be deducted from your online account with, with the shop.
5: So you scan and then you put it in your trolley?
4: Yes.
5: Correct. Great. Okay, I'll come back to you. And, and for, the, for the purpose of our viewers, Ernest is a banker, He's a a pastor and he's also an author. So we're trying to, I'm I'm going to come back to you to talk about the interplay between the various roles he plays and and how um, each aspect of his world is being challenged by these developments. Maximus,
6: he's
5: talking about ordinary day-to-day life
6: being affected by these developments. What would you say to that?
0: Yeah, I think
6: that's what uh, technology does, disrupts almost every industry. So, for example, I remember doing some discussion on the reconstructing the banking sector. So you have MTN mobile money, right? So if you're a teller and what you learn was to smile to people when they walk into the banking hall, so you can count their money and put it in the account. Now the person has a mobile phone. They can send any amount. In terms of the retail banking aspect, they can buy, pay whatever they'll pay, Their DSTV, pay whatever uh, services that they've subscribed to using their mobile phone. Now they don't need to walk into the banking hall to do that transaction. Now a time is going to come where the mobile telecom companies, so like the MTNs, now being registered as financial institutions, so you have the MTN mobile money being registered. Now, they can transact business. So you can move money to somebody's account and then move it from your account, make uh, purchases to somebody who sells by the roadside. Now, government has launched the universal QR code. You can just scan QR code without touching anything of the the, the retailer and you can make your payment on the go. Somebody even sells uh, roasted plantain by the roadside can collect mobile money, go straight into their wallet and they don't need to walk to the banking hall for that to be done. And for me, a time is going to come where, when banks are moving from the branchless bank to even bankless, because payment is going to be centralized, that the Bank of Ghana may be in charge of just the the transaction, and you may not even need a bank, even though they offer other services, so they can focus on those services, but the retail aspect and payment is going to change. Now when you come to the churches with the COVID a pastor can start a church from his house when he has an audience on his Facebook Twitter, YouTube channel. He can do his church and then during offertory, he can still use a short code to collect his offering. They can make card payment through his website or even make payment through uh, a mobile money account to his account and he's done with with church, he can do counseling using the chat system. You can do counseling using video calls to counsel people. You can interact with almost anybody. Do even church board meeting, church workers meeting, ushers meeting, whatever you want to do, you can do it digitally. Let so the church you. is being virtualized there. Let me just deal with this last point that you made. Very often we talk about a time is
5: coming, or it's even now. When things can be done totally branchlessly or without any in-person or physical engagement, Mm -hmm. the biggest reaction comes from people who are already running an entity with in-person as their base and thinking, well, Mm -hmm. if I had known this then, I would have done things differently, but here I am. Address those people. What should they do? Because... Even using the last example you gave, what should somebody who is already engaging people physically and having a challenge because now there's restrictions? It's not as often as you can do it, you can have as many people as you want. People are even afraid, and therefore, they don't come as often as they used to.
4: Yeah.
5: How should institutions organizations
6: respond to such severe disruption that is tearing at them in the face? Yeah, so they, they need to train their workers. So we talked about the social skills, they need to train their workers so that if I'm a front desk person, my front desk is now the WhatsApp uh, uh, account of the bank or the company that I can go there and uh, respond to inquiries and give people's feedback about the company. If I'm into marketing, should I run the, yes, uh, the account when it comes to somebody buying our product or subscribing to our services? If I'm a human resource person, we are looking at all the Bands of skills that you are supposed to manage virtually and make sure that the receptionist is doing their work virtually, chatting with people, the marketing and sales people are converting, people are making comments and inquiries into people who will buy the product. So you need to virtualize that and then see how, as an organization, your Facebook page can be a virtual version of the organization. So when I come there, what you sell, what you do, what you represent and then what you stand for is on your page. If I send a chat, somebody must respond so that I know that you are a living organism, not just an account on the page. Those are the things that companies should be thinking. Very soon, you may run maybe your supermarket from a warehouse instead of a shopfront, because everything is being sold virtually. People will not walk into your shop to come and buy, but they'll go onto your storefront online to buy the product and have it delivered to them in their homes. So there's no physical presence, but they have virtual presence. So you as a company must think about how do we format all the departments into various activities online that can boost the the growth of the company. A lot of organizations don't do that, but I think a lot of the workers are used to Doing a lot of interactions online already. So, their skills need to be uh, honed to be able to serve the, the, the purpose or the interest of the company. Let me stay with the same report I've
5: been quoting from. 88% of companies believe in the importance of redesigning their work model. That's good news. <laughs> yes. It means nine out of 10 companies, even before COVID, we're mindful that the work model that they use needs to be continuously redesigned. But let's stay with the report and look at the, the point of view of staff. 73% people of people think that technology can never replace their mind.
6: <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you say to that? I think they are, they are, they are joking because they are joking, not the insult, but they are underplaying that uh, belief. You know, now, if you're a receptionist and you can type 1,000 words per minute, now there are softwares that can just detect two and they'll write it for me, so you are not needed, right? If, If you're a receptionist, that, okay, you need to receive a call and be nice to people. Now, there are apps like Google Assistant and the rest that somebody can call a restaurant and the call is automated through the Google Assistant system and it will respond as if it's a human being. And the order, the order the person wants to place will be taken, and delivery will be made to that person without any human interference. So I'm going to ask you <laughs> a simple question. Armed with Google
5: Maps, just simple Google Maps,
4: mm.
5: what practical thing can, can people do? I want us to give people practical yes. takeaway solutions. Exactly. So for instance, with the benefit of Google Maps, maybe dispatch rider services. Mm. How can people transform their business model here in Ghana? Let me go to Ernest then and ask him my final question. Ernest, let's find out from where you sit how these changes are transforming the different roles that you play as an individual. And and, and, the, and demand, the demand, the demand it places it plays on your skills because um, even you at at the level at which you play, obviously I haven't read too because very often when we talk about the people think that those at the bottom. The bottom of the ladder, those who are um, the lower earning, struggling people who have to do this. But does it run through the whole spectrum of work? This need for reskilling.
1: It does. It does. Um, so, especially my role, um, you, you with, with 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 a lot lots of automation happening now, you as the individual need to be able to be able to have the skill set. Of analyzing the output of that automation. So um, that is where a lot of cognitive abilities or cognitive skills comes to play. So your ability to actually, you know, make meaning of the outputs of lots of the data, the big data that we, we have around, especially if you are um, if you are running service online. You know, how do you identify how many people are engaging or what is the, what is the, what is, what is your customer saying? So for me personally, in the free facets of my life of, of being, you know, being, being in banking and um, being a pastor, also being an author, I'm, I'm having to actually, you know, day in and day out to try and redesign some of the things that i do for mm-hmm. so for now i don't do counseling by meeting people face to face anymore i think it, it it even means that i can meet i can meet lots more people in a short space of time so everything is now online um i do have an online calendar that people can see and book slots if they wanted to see me rather than having to call someone or, re, or me having to employ someone to manage my diary my diary it's free it's online and therefore if you wanted to have a meeting with me i just send you the link you check an available slot in my diary you book it and at that point in time we can get to speak and so these are some of day-to-day things um that is that is changing and so it will be very interesting if you are in certain roles to have that notion or that mindset that you know um, my role is not going to change your role you asked your role may not change, but your role may require you to be able to do things differently. And if you have not built up that skill set to be able to adjust in this rapidly changing environment, you would have um, a challenge. Um, and your role might actually um, you'd be at risk in, in most instances.
5: NS, are you surprised at this? Um, the point I raised in Maximus, um, the, one, the one you just referred to that. Some people are consoling themselves that technology can never replace a human mind. Are you surprised at that kind of positioning?
1: I am extremely surprised uh, because uh, the reports that you know, Albert, um, you quoted from, some of the roles that we we, we are seeing that will disappear is executive assistant roles. Um, these roles <laughs> will disappear, and so uh, it's interesting for you to actually, if you are on the front decks of a company. And in the UK, you do have lots of digital banks. Um, you know, you do have many businesses moving their operations from a physical structure to online, because it's cost effective, right? Why have shops in makola when I can just have the shop in my, if I've got a garage at home, that could be my warehouse. Yeah. I don't have to pay. And so if someone can if someone can go on my shop front on Instagram, you don't actually you know someone can go on your shop on in instagram you can go on your shop on facebook you don't actually have to spend money developing your own website you just utilize tools that are already available so if you have a shop on in instagram you can have your warehouse in your garage somewhere at home someone others there are lots of dispatch riders in ghana now you just you just book one they come for the product they deliver it now you do have you know access to maps in ghana as well and so it's it's interesting um and i guess we go back to the to the example that maximums gave about nokia they, they didn't do it they did the right things aspect their culture but that cultural barrier is what now sort of to the point of extinct you don't see nokia phones around anymore right so we we have to actually change our mindset They're also ensure there are no cultural barriers in, in the way we want to do business because it's happening it's life and it, it's not something that we can ignore in many, in, in many instances
5: It's happening, it's life it can't be ignored. Thank you very much Enes Boudou for joining us all you from the UK with your perspectives on the changing world of work I'm sure we'll do this again and we'll come back to you for more uh, in the course of this whole discussion about repositioning mm. Thank you and it's been, it's been my absolute pleasure Wonderful, Maximus. Let's wrap up on this. So, here we are looking at tools that people are using every day, Mm. sometimes for entertainment and fun.
4: Yeah,
5: but you mentioned social media, Mm. Instagram, Instagram. What's up? So, there is Instagram, there's WhatsApp, there is dispatch riders, there is Google Maps. I'm talking about readily available tools that people are using but not even conscious that these are business enablers. Yes. Just model a scenario, give me a couple of examples that the ordinary person listening to
6: can have as a trigger in their mind and say, oh, that's it. That yeah. will really transform my business completely. Right. So if I have Max Foods, for example, located maybe at this Legon or in Neymar, I can create a Google Maps. Foods? Yes, okay. Maximus Foods. Okay. So I'm located in Neymar. There's no, maybe... The road network is not that good there, but I can pin my location on Google Map. Now, Google Map gives me the opportunity to also profile my company. So I can put a picture of my, uh, my house or what my shop there, and I can put a list of the product that I sell also on the Google Map. So if I'm selling banquet, and tilapia, uh, fried fish or fresh fish, or whatever I'm selling at, uh, at my restaurant, will be listed also on Google map. Now customers can also leave reviews on Google map for me. So if you come and buy a product, you can, you can leave a review as to how I responded, whether well, the price is good, the quality is good and all that. Now, if people search for tilapia, banquet tilapia or whatever on the Google map, I'll be one of the people who the Google will rank within the search results. So either by location or the product, so, if somebody wants to buy and they are closer by, I'll be the restaurant that'll be suggested to them. So you click on it. Now you can find your way to my location. And the the the, the nice thing about Google Map is that is, it's an absolute location uh, 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 platform. So wherever you are located, it's just a, a three meters uh, a margin of error. So people can find you right at your location and then you are good to go, you do the business with them, they buy whatever they want, and they can leave a review on your platform. Now, if you want to extend it to uh, maybe Instagram, you want to reach out to a bigger audience, you have your restaurant account on Instagram, you put pictures of your food and the the customer service, you put the waitresses and how you serve testimonials for people who eat at your restaurant, and then you have your account listed also on Facebook, well, profiled with your location address there. Anybody who wants to find you can still follow the map to your location. And these are free platforms. Free? Yes. Let's end on that one. Let me take you back to where you began. Yes. You said
5: there is a movement towards a certain perceived future. Mm. That is what is driving all these changes. Yes. The perception about where the future is and therefore movement towards that. Mm. Let's talk about the two drivers you started with. You talked about speed. You thought about convenience and then you ended up with cost. Yes. In one minute, help our listeners and viewers to appreciate why speed, cost, convenience can all
6: work in your favor mm-hmm. if you embrace this new way of working. Yeah, of course. Speed gives you the advantage to be ahead of competition. So it means that you need to learn skill sets that will always be, you know, ahead of the curve. I always say that you must know more than you need, and uh, you needed more than you know, right? So you must always, your knowledge has to, your level of knowledge has to always be ahead. Now, convenience takes out the, the pain points. So convenience is that I want to find a particular shoe to buy. Now I can go online, click on it, I can get it, no stress of going through traffic and finding the type that I want. And then having it delivered to me either in my office or at home, that is a convenience. So taking away the pain point. Now the budget, of course, you want to also save money even though you are buying something that you also value for money is the cost aspect. Now if you have the skill set that your company needs, the skill set gives you the ability to work faster, to offer the convenience that the customers need. So, your company can stay profitable and then for you to also stay relevant. So, the company will grow, you will also be relevant, and the two of you are going to benefit. And they call that win win. Yeah. If you adopt these new ways of doing work,
5: the company wins, the individual wins, and the customer is the biggest beneficiary because they get speed, they get convenience, and their cost is reduced and passed on to them. Yeah. My name is Albert Oken, and I've been hosting Maximus I'm to go see CEO of Pop Out. And then Enes Buidu, who's a a, a senior banking executive in the UK, helping us to just converse around the the new world of work, the ever-changing world of work, and the pressures and tensions that it places on us as we persist in our old ways of doing things. We've ended on the note that, listen, there is profit, there there is convenience, there is value, in doing things a new way. So the challenge is on us. And the good news is that it wasn't just about, about retail shops and banks and, and high street uh, business ventures. We talked about SMEs, we talked about churches, we talked about individuals trying to start something from their garage. And the good news is that everyone can find some space. Mm-hmm. Next, we continue this discussion, and we bring on the perspectives of Professor Robert Ebo-Hinson mm-hmm. and then Eva richter Ado. Professor is from the University of Ghana Business School. Eva is, from, is a group head of HR at Enterprise Group. They will focus more on how to acquire the skills that you actually need and who should be responsible. Is it the individual or the organization for bringing those skills that you need to survive in a world like this? Let me say a big thank you on behalf of Comfort and the crew. And of course, saluting our sponsors, MTN, UMB Bank, The Enterprise Group and the Graphic Communications Group for supporting Springboard, your virtual university. So we'll come away again next week. My name is Albert Okran saying, God bless you. God bless you and God bless you. I'm out.